Hello, hola, bonjour, privet, Augustie Welcome to the Lingua Materna podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Lingua Materna podcast, the show that helps you build a winning mindset for learning languages. I'm James from Lingua Materna, and I'm delighted to have you on board for another episode of the podcast. Today's guest is Tamara Marie from negringa.com and SpanishConSalsa.com. Tamara and I have both spent quite a bit of time in recent years learning and using Spanish, so naturally this is one of the focal points of our discussion. But even if you're not learning Spanish, I think you'll find lots of interesting ideas in here that you can apply to your own language learning, no matter what language you're learning. We talked about the role that culture plays in the learning process, teaching languages to children, and much, much more. But before we get started, I just want to remind you that you can find more information about all of the websites and resources that we mentioned in this episode by reading the show notes at www.linguamaterna.com forward slash podcast. And if you enjoy the show, I'd really appreciate if you could leave an honest review on iTunes. These reviews are invaluable feedback for me, and they also allow us to reach a much larger audience with the podcast. Okay, so let's get started. Here's my full interview with Tamara. So I'm delighted to welcome my guest for today's podcast, uh, Tamara Marie from negringa.com. Tamara, how are you? I'm good, James. How are you? I'm great. It's great to finally connect with you. We've been trying to organize this for a while and we've been going back and forth. Great to finally speak to you and, and, uh, and record this podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. And um, also your guest post on Argentine Spanish was really was really helpful, too, for my readers. So thank you for that. You're very welcome. I'm glad that, that your readers enjoyed the guest post. People can also find uh, one of your guest posts on my website about mm -hmm. Spanish. Uh, and for people learning Spanish, I think our discussion today is something they're really going to enjoy because that's really the language that you've been mostly focused on in recent yes. times. It's, it's mm -hmm. the language that I've spent most time learning too, so that's really what we're going to, to dig into. So as a starting point, really, I wanted to ask you, why did you start learning Spanish? And for people who are thinking about learning Spanish, why should they choose Spanish over another language? What is it that makes it such a great language to learn? Wow, that's a good question. So um, I think originally um, I started to learn Spanish as an adult because I had had some prior exposure in school before. So um, I'm in the United States and here we tend to pick a second language in middle school. So around age 12 or so, which I've learned now is way too late to start learning a language, but that's a whole other soapbox I'll get on later. <laughs> but, um, but we did learn um, some Spanish, but I, I just found that it was very academic. It was very grammar focused. It wasn't conversational. So I had this foolish idea as an adult that I wanted to pick up a second language. And I figured, oh, Spanish should be easy. Like I already have some background in mm -hmm. it. Um, 
So that was one of the reasons. Um, another reason is I had started going to a class at the gym called Zumba. Okay. Okay. And Zumba is like a mix of international music. It has a lot of Spanish. So it's like salsa, reggaeton. Mm-hmm. Um, there's samba. There's all these different rhythms. So I had just kind of started stumbling upon this class and I started listening to some of the music when I was outside of class. I'm like, oh, this is really cool music. I like this. Let me kind of dig into it more. And I discovered salsa that way. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of joked that Zumba was my gateway drug to uh, salsa (laughs) (laughs) because now, you know, I'm I'm a salsa dance addict. So um, so just kind of listening to the music and then learning more and being around the culture and making friends it just kind of naturally progressed and it all kind of culminated when I decided to take my first trip abroad. Um, first time ever I went to Panama and I went through, I think, um, customs in the airport and I thought, Oh, I I know a little bit of Spanish. I should be able to handle this. And, um, I understood nothing (laughs) at all. And I felt like, wow, I really need to step up my game and learn some Spanish. Um, so I decided at that point to rededicate and commit myself to, to really learning the language and mastering it. Mm-hmm. It's funny how an experience like that can be the change you need to, to really decide to go and do it. And uh, I think it's really interesting what you mentioned there about Zumba and then that leading you to salsa and, and how that kind of sparked things too. Because everyone I speak to seems to have a similar story, whether they found a passion for the culture or Mm -hmm. a particular country and that inspired them to learn the language or whether they started maybe to learn a few words just for fun and then Mm -hmm. really fell in love with the with the culture but uh, I think that's really interesting so how would you say then that music and dance have influenced your your learning Spanish I guess dance in particular right yeah, well, it's just interesting. Like you mentioned culture. Um, I think that's such an important point because I think sometimes more in like the polyglot community or even just people who love language for the sake of language, there's this focus on how quickly can I acquire a language and what are tricks to learn vocabulary and grammar and memorize things. And I think sometimes we lose sight in all of that, that language is just one component of culture. And to me, the culture is the important thing because that's mm-hmm. not just music and dance, but it's the people, it's their worldview, it's their beliefs, it's the society, uh, you know, food. There, there's so many components to culture that I think that that is the driving and motivating force to really want to master a language. It's mm-hmm. I want to connect with people. It's not, you know, I want to master grammar. <laughs> For sure. You know, so I think that's a key point that you mentioned. I feel like culture and cultural immersion is one of the important things in learning language. Um, one, for motivation, and two, just so you have some context. Um, one of the biggest things I've learned about Spanish is that, you know, people say Spanish is Spanish. But, I mean, there's so many variations in Spanish between different countries um, because they have different cultures. Mm-hmm. Um like you're, you mentioned Argentina, um, you know, there's a whole different way of speaking Spanish. I just met someone from Argentina um, at a Spanish meetup that I run mm-hmm. here in Maryland. Um, and, you know, he introduces himself. He's like, yo me chamo. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. ah! <laughs> that sounds so odd to me, um, you know, here because I'm, I just don't meet a lot of speakers from Argentina where I'm from. Um, I meet a lot of Caribbean Spanish speakers and 
that's a whole different way of speaking the language. So I think, you know, starting with culture just makes so much more sense and you'll be so much less confused. Um, I think if you approach it of I'm learning the people and I'm learning about their culture. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I just really wanted to, to say that's a really big point. So I don't know if I answered your question, but (laughs) no, I, I think you did. And, uh, I'd agree with you completely. I think it's so much more rewarding when you can really invest yourself in the culture that way. It's not about just learning the language as, as quickly as you can. The culture is, is such a key part. And within right. Spanish in particular, I think it's, you know, as you said, it's, it's a great example because there isn't really any one Spanish culture. You know, growing up right. In, right. in Europe, I grew up in Ireland. So we were very much, you know, when you learn Spanish in Europe, you learn Iberian Spanish. It's like the Spanish they speak in Spain and it's very correct and it has its own culture, Mm -hmm. which is so different from the culture of Caribbean Spanish or Argentinian Spanish. You know, they're so, they have a lot in common, but they're very different at the same time. Right. So just to go back then, I suppose, to the dance, because I know that's influenced you a lot and salsa in particular. Did you then start to use salsa in any way to incorporate it into your Spanish learning or was that something that was always kind of like an aside that kept you motivated but didn't really affect your learning process? Well, it's actually pretty funny. So I started out um, with the desire to understand the songs and the music. Um, Early on, I had started dancing and I would go to classes and it's really funny. Um, You know, my, my first impression was, as, oh, I'm going to a salsa class. It'll be full of um, Latinos, but it was actually a very diverse group of people, and some, a lot of which don't even understand the music and don't speak Spanish. Um, so it was a really diverse group, and of course there was, you know, a group of Latinos as well. But I learned through the music because I just wanted to understand it. You know, here sure. I am dancing, and I'm thinking, wow, this sounds great. Um, and what really motivated me was one particular song. Um, it's called um, La Rebellion. They, it's um, by Joe Arroyo. Mm-hmm. And it's a very upbeat song. And when you listen to it, it gives you a lot of energy and you're dancing. But the song, when I actually looked up the lyrics, it's about a slave rebellion. Wow. And it's it's giving the history of Cartagena, Colombia. And, a, and it's a telling a story about a slave that was standing up for his woman. Mm-hmm. And the whole chorus, he's saying, you know, no le pega la negra. He's like, don't hit my woman, you know, mm-hmm. and he starts a rebellion. And I'm thinking, wow. wow, there's so much history in that. And, you know, being from the United States and the history that we have with, um, you know, culture and race and all that, sure. it was just very intriguing to me. And I, I was almost surprised because we get fed this Latino culture here in the States that it's like very Jennifer Lopez, Mark Anthony, right? Like, mm. We don't see the diversity in the Latino community. It's just not the way it's presented to us. So for me, I was surprised, like, wow, okay, this is really um, rich culture and history here I didn't know about. Mm -hmm. So that motivated me that, you know, if I'm dancing to something, I want to know what they're saying. (laughs) One, because it, for me, as a dancer, it really feels the passion behind the music. If I understand it, I just feel it more when I'm dancing. And also, you know, I started then to develop a system for using music to learn Spanish. Um, You know, so that song was really key. And learning different songs after that, um, I went from salsa to listening to more bachata, which is from Dominican Republic. Mm -hmm. So I got really into that culture. So that was kind of another segue. But um, 
But I, I developed a system where I would sit down and I would break the songs down section by section and I would just do repetition. So I would start with the chorus because that was what I heard most and I would hear it over and over again. So I mm-hmm. say, okay, let me get the chorus down. And I would read it. I would listen. I would look at the lyrics, listen again. After that, I would then go through each verse and mm-hmm. write down the words I didn't know. Um, so I could understand them when I was when I would hear them again in the song. Mm-hmm. So I would kind of study my vocabulary from the songs. And then from there, I would just listen and do the repetition over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, for some songs that are really fast, I would you know try to slow it down a bit mm-hmm. <laughs> so that I could hear it better just to work on my listening comprehension. Um, but I found that it really helped me to the point that, you know, when I'm alone, I sing along to it because I don't think I can sing. But <laughs> when no one's watching, I definitely sing along. But the funny thing is, I noticed that as I started to interact with other native speakers, they would always compliment me on my accent. And, you know, at the time, I'm struggling to, like, you know, understand what they're saying and keep up with with the pace of the conversation, uh-huh. but they would start talking to me at regular speed, like another native speaker, because they were so impressed with my accent. Yeah. And I'm thinking, wow, there must be something to this. So just that mimicking along with the song, um, not really intentionally, I just developed this really, really good accent um, uh-huh. for, you know, a gringa, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I mean, I just, I kind of delved into it a little bit more systematically that way. And also, I just love the music, right? Like, I, I listen to it in the car all the time. It's not like I'm studying. Um, it was just a lot of fun. So it, for me, I was just enjoying the process, and I was enjoying dancing and enjoying listening to the music. So really getting immersed in the culture is what kept me going, so. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's such an amazing thing to be able to do, too. When you find something that you just enjoy and you do for fun, you can mm-hmm. then make part of your learning because all of a sudden it doesn't feel like you're studying anymore. You're just doing something you enjoy, but yet you're getting a, a major benefit from it. But I think it's really interesting as well uh, that you mentioned the idea of singing and, and how that affected your accents. Because I think mm-hmm. maybe, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm just guessing here, but from, from my experience at least, I think it helps give you a better flow maybe. You know, because mm-hmm. if you just learn the words, it's kind of, you learn the words, but then you're trying to think and piece them together when you're speaking. But by singing, you kind of have to have like a flow to your sentences. They have to come out in a certain way. Right. I wonder if that uh, is something, you know, certainly so it's, I believe it's something that can help, you know, improve your fluency. I, I'd be interested to, to know if you would agree with that or, or if you've experienced anything similar. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that getting the flow of a language down is it can be difficult if you're not used to it, especially as a native English speaker, we're used to a certain flow of speech. Um, And we're not used to kind of stringing the words together that way that Spanish speakers do. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that usually gives us away, you know, sort of that gringo accent is that we have so many spaces (laughs) between words. (laughs) And it's almost, I, you know, in English, it sounds weird to say it like that, but imagine how, that's how we sound to Spanish speakers because we're, you know, yo estoy aquí. No one speaks like that. So, mm-hmm. um, but I think the music, because there's an inherent rhythm in it, it does kind of help you maintain that linkage because it just, when you're listening to it musically, it bothers you when you don't link it right. Because, you know, as, yeah. a, as a musical sound, you expect it to be sort of whole, right? But when you're speaking, you're, you're struggling, you're trying to think about grammar and da-da-da. But when you're kind of singing along, you, you don't really 
have all those inhibitions because, I mean, you know the grammar's right. It's the, the speaker is their words. You mm-hmm. know it's correct Spanish. So you're just kind of mimicking what they're saying. So, yeah, definitely. And, you know, the interesting thing, too, is since, um, you know, I had started learning Spanish and I wanted to help other people learn, I actually got a language coaching certification. Mm-hmm. So specifically neuro-language coaching, and that's based on learning language in a way that the brain learns best. So mm-hmm. it's really based on principles of neuroscience and how those can be applied to language learning. And one of the things I had been looking into is a lot of research around music and language learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's actually several studies that found that um, from adult learners and also learners that are um, maybe more middle school age, they've actually done studies with control groups that learned without music and other groups that learned with music and they did show a boost in your language learning ability and the ability to produce um, sounds in another language wow. if you incorporate music into your learning. So, um, you know, I think the results were about 15 percent or so, somewhere around there, mm-hmm. um, boost in the ability to retain vocabulary, to be able to actually use the language and produce um, sentences that were cr- correct, gra- grammatically correct. So. Mm-hmm. Um, there is research going on right now in that area. There's not a whole lot out there, but um, what's out there so far is promising to show that music does actually enhance your ability to learn language. That's so interesting, and uh, it's definitely you know a space to watch for in the future because I think especially not just with adults, but also for you know for people of all ages, for kids, it could be something <laughs> um, really valuable. And I know that that's something that you're quite interested in too. I've seen your uh, mentions on your blog or your posts on social yeah. media occasionally you're you're teaching your son some Spanish yes I am um so my son it's really interesting um for language in general for children um starting from the womb even is is important so yeah. for me um I actually since I was pregnant even I was listening to music and you know so he was exposed to music even before he was born mm-hmm. and I was still dancing for a little bit <laughs> not too long <laughs> Uh, as long as I could keep my balance. Right. But um, but yeah. So um, what's really been amazing is um, one thing there. There was a song that I used to play. It was actually a bachata song. Uh, it was called Bachata en Fukuoka. It's sort of like Spanish and Japanese mixed together. But anyway, it's a very slow kind of soothing song. And I used to play it all the time while I was pregnant. And after he was born, um, I know I would be in the car and he'd be in the back in the car seat screaming and crying and he couldn't see me because the car seat was facing the, the back. We have those rear facing car seats. So I would just play that song and it would immediately calm him down. Wow. You know, so I know there's something to it. I mean, it, it, it worked for a good six months after he was born. That song mm-hmm. was my saving grace. So um, thanks to Juan Luis, Luis Guerra for that. <laughs> But um, so there's definitely some memory there that's mm-hmm. built in. But more than that, um, you know, just because he's with me all the time and I listen, that's the music I listen to. He's kind of picked up and he sings a lot uh, of, of songs as well. Mm-hmm. And I've actually gotten um, well had a native speakers comment that he doesn't have an accent, you know, mm. because he just from birth, he's been mimicking the sounds of native Spanish speakers through music. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, his father is from the Dominican Republic as well. So, um, but, you know, he doesn't speak to him 100% of the time. 
um, in Spanish. Uh, but he, he does also talk to him. So he, he does have that, obviously, is a, a good boost to have a native speaker. <laughs> but, um, but you know, he, he sings a lot all the time. And, I mean, he's been singing since he was a baby in English and Spanish. Um, his language skills are just so far advanced. And, you know, he's been writing since he was two. Um, you know, and, and even today, um, I was watching a Celia Cruz special on Netflix, and it starts with her song, and uh, she's always saying, azúcar, azúcar, uh-huh. <laughs> which is sugar, right? But um, it's just like her tagline. So he listens to that now, and he's like walking around the house going, azúcar, <laughs> So he's very musical, and he's picked up a lot, That's and he amazing. sings along with um, all kinds of songs. But I think that just makes it fun. Mm. Um, you know, my son is four years old now, uh, by the way, but when um, I would try to do a few activities with him when he started preschool, you know, and to try to make it more academic and, and kind of teach him more grammar. And, you know, he, he really didn't take to that as well. You know, mm-hmm. he's sort of like, mom, like he started to say things like, mom, I don't want to talk Spanish right now, you know, mm-hmm. but if I would put on a song or something like that, then he would be singing along and then I'm not trying to force him mm-hmm. anymore. So with children, it's important to make it fun. Um, yeah. also use a lot of games with him. There's different, um, um, bilingual books I always, I always use as well. Um, so it's hard to find sometimes, but anytime I find a, a story, um, I've, I've been able to find some things in the library and when I travel, I pick up books as well, but I try to make sure that he has bilingual books. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, um, you know, just different games and things. Um, he actually just recently started using, um, a few apps, which, um, you know, initially I didn't want him to have too much screen time because there's mm-hmm. this thing about, you know, young children um, using the screen too much. I wanted him to interact more with people. But of course. Um, he just he picked up uh, the application Mango, mm-hmm. which isn't really for children. Um, there's another application, Gus Languages, that's for children. He uses that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just kind of picked it up and he started using it. And I'm like, wow. So if you like it, go go for it. Yeah. So he does lessons on Mango. Um, I do my Portuguese. He does his Spanish and <laughs> we do it sometimes at breakfast. So, and he'll tell me, mom, I want to do mango. I want to do mango. So I'm like, okay, you know, you learn Spanish. It's I can't argue. you. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, it's just getting that motivation, I think makes such a difference. I know, I know you mentioned that you had studied some Spanish. Was it in high school or in university? Um, it was in high school. I actually in university, I took two semesters of Arabic, but it's uh-huh, another story. Cool. <laughs> the reason I bring it up is because I think most of us take some language at some point in middle school, high school. Not very many people, I think, end up being able to, to speak or use the language once they finish. I know I certainly couldn't. Right. And I think a lot of it comes down to, to that motivation. So, you know, if he's if he's enjoying it and, and wants to do it from the beginning, I think that's that's half the battle, really, isn't it? Yeah. I think just exposure too. Um, even um, just because I listen to, because I'm, I'm learning Portuguese now, and I play lessons in the car sometimes, and he's with me, mm-hmm. and I didn't know he was really paying attention. It's really amazing. Children, they pick up everything. Mm-hmm. And um, last week, you know, he wakes up and he comes in my room and he says, "Mommy, mommy," he says, "Bom dia," and I'm like, "Oh," <laughs> he told me good morning in, in Portuguese. I was like, "How cool is that?" And then he goes, "Buenos dias." And I'm like, oh, good morning. <laughs> so and he just he just picked it up, you know, That's just amazing. because he's been around. Um, so I think just exposure. I mean, I wouldn't discount just sort of passive listening, because yeah. even if you just have 
you know, music is good to have on because it's good to have in the background while you're cooking dinner or having a meal, just to have it around sure. um, in the car. So I think just having that exposure, um, even if it's not active learning, I think is good because, like I said, he he picks up everything, and I didn't even know he was picking up Portuguese, <laughs> but amazing. he already you know is saying oh bom dia, and and for him to get it in context and to know that's what you say mm. in the morning was amazing to me. I mean, he just kind of amazes me every day. So <laughs> it just shows, though, I think, how much kids of that age are able to take in, you mm-hmm. know, especially in terms of. You know, they're listening to everything and even, you know, like you say, maybe it appears sometimes they're not paying attention, but they seem to be just able to take in so much. I think when people say, oh, I'm too old to learn a language, I wouldn't agree with that. I think you can do it at any age, but I I don't think there's any doubting that it's easier to do at a younger age, just, you know, if you get the exposure. Definitely. And I think that consistency is also really key. And um, the one thing I think is important for parents trying to raise children to be bilingual or even multilingual is having a support and having a community. Um, I think even with adults learning language, having a community, um, joining different groups, even if it's online, is really helpful to keep you motivated. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually found a site, um, it's called Bilingual Avenue, Mm -hmm. and it's been really helpful because there's other parents from all around the world that are just interested in raising their children bilingual. And most of it's Spanish and English, but there are other languages too. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely a resource I recommend if anyone's trying to raise their children and um, they don't have a lot of native speakers around or they don't have a community around. It's a really good online community. And there's also a podcast as well for um, parents that are trying to raise bilingual children. That's awesome. Well, I haven't come across that, but I'm definitely going to have to check it out. And um, I'm sure it'll be something that's really useful for any any parents who are listening to the podcast. I'll make sure that we include that in the show notes so everybody knows where to find it. Definitely. So just to finish up, I guess, if you could give people some advice, some a couple of tips based on your experience learning Spanish and also obviously now learning Portuguese, one or two things that have made a really big impact for you, what would those tips be? Well, one I think is having quality resources, you know, is a, is a good thing. And um, as we talked about earlier too, starting with the culture, um, I think that if you latch on to something that you love about the culture, that the language will come naturally as, as a byproduct of that. Um, for me, what I started doing with Portuguese that I didn't do with Spanish because I didn't know any better <laughs> was starting with um, an audio program. Um, my, one of my favorites is Pimsleur. Mm-hmm. So they have, um, you know, programs that from the beginner phase all the way through advance that you sort of have to repeat back what you're hearing. And mm-hmm. if you drive and you have a commute anywhere, you can just kind of pop that in and you don't have to feel the inhibition that you would normally feel talking to someone right off the bat. You get sure. to sort of practice on your own first. And I think that's really helped me with Portuguese. So I recommend starting with a program like that if you want to speak. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. So for conversation, um, something like that is really valuable to start out with in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd also recommend, you know, I always tell people to really start with one specific type of Spanish. Um, mm-hmm. I know people will just kind of start out and they'll go, I want to learn Spanish. Well, I think you have to dig a little bit deeper, um, do a little bit more research into um, a particular type of Spanish that you want to learn um, and focus there. I think focus is very important. Having goals that are specific, focusing on one particular type of Spanish will really help you by leaps and bounds. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that I struggle to figure out as a learner um, that, 
you know, I really could have avoided had I known better. Um, and just kind of one quick example, I always kind of tell the story. Um, the One of the first places I visited after I went to Panama was Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. And I went there and I found this fruit that I really like that they mm-hmm. have in the Caribbean that, you know, I don't have where I'm from. Mm-hmm. So I asked, like, what is this called? And they're like, paracha. And I'm like, oh, paracha, okay. So it's passion fruit in, in English, I found it later. Mm-hmm. But um, so next time I travel, I go to Dominican Republic and I'm thinking, oh, okay. I go to the bar and I order a paracha. And they looked at me like I was crazy. And the bartender said, chinola? And I was like, paracha. He's like, chinola. And he shows me like this carton with a picture of passion fruit on it. And I'm like, CCC. Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, it, you know, he started explaining to me in Dominican Republic, the name for this is Chinola. And I'm thinking, mm. wow, Puerto Rico's right there. Like, how can the name be so different? So, so um, <laughs> it's just one of those things that I think if you kind of have a cultural awareness up front, you can save yourself a lot of confusion down the road um, and trying to figure out, um, you know, am I saying something right or does someone understand me? If you, if you kind of know well, look, I'm learning about these particular people from this place, and this is how they use the language, and this is their culture. You kind of immerse yourself in that, and you avoid a lot of confusion, I think, down the line. It also helps you become fluent faster because you get used to a particular accent, and if you can master that one accent, when you interact with speakers from other areas, it'll be a lot easier for you to kind of pick up on those later. But if you focus on one first, it's just a lot lot easier to be targeted on that one area so that you learn just like a native speaker learns. Um, mm. a, a child grows up in one culture, they learn that language first from their parents, and then later they meet Spanish speakers from other places and they go, oh, you guys talk differently than me, and oh, you have a different word for that. But they first start in their family. So yeah. I think if you just kind of, you know, adopt a, a, a country, you know, adopt a family, yeah. um, kind of say, this is where I'm going to start. Like, I'm going to be Dominican, right? I'm going to learn like a Dominican. And then after I get that down, then I can understand, oh, Venezuela is different. Argentina is different, you know? So I, I think kind of having that commitment um, really, I think, will clear up a lot of things and kind of help you focus more in the beginning and master Spanish, at least one type of Spanish um, that you're really interested in before you kind of try to start being more advanced and global with, with with your with your Spanish that that takes time. So that's just what I would do if I was to start all over again. I would focus in on one one particular country or one type, um, one context, and, and learn that well. And then um, you know I think that would help me with with other things. And I did stumble upon that eventually because um, I got really good at Caribbean Spanish. People uh-huh. when they meet me they kind of think that I I have a little bit of a Caribbean type accent, but. Um, but that scene is one of the toughest accents to learn, so I'm actually proud of that. I'm like, fine, <laughs> you know, fine. I talk like a, a you know, Caribeña. It's okay, but, but it, you know, but I connect with that, so I understand it more because that's the music I listen to. Of um, but yeah, but I don't have problems understanding speakers from Mexico because you know their Spanish is different, but it's not as difficult to to understand. And so I pick up on it now. So. Sure, and and that's the thing. I really love that advice. I have to say, I think it's. Awesome. And it's something, again, I didn't know either when I started out, but I wish I had. Because at, yeah. when you're at the beginner level, those differences are super confusing. But exactly. When you get exactly. to an advanced level or like an upper intermediate level, they're actually not really confusing at all. They're just really interesting. And you can really right. appreciate them. And, right. you know, there are little things that give color to the language. I mean, they're not going to. In nine out of ten times, they're not going to affect your ability to communicate with somebody. But I, I, I really love that advice because I do think they're, 
they're you're much more able to enjoy them uh, at the at the advanced level, and you know it'll help you make more progress as a beginner without exactly. having to get too overwhelmed. Definitely, definitely, and I actually am running um, a Spanish challenge right now, and I have a group that's going through that process, and they're. Um, you know, and I know people, like you said, they usually reserve that for more of the advanced levels, but mm-hmm. I'm working with some beginners and intermediate learners, and they're actually saying that they really appreciate that because they didn't have an, a, an understanding for those differences in in the beginning and mm-hmm. just the different accents and just making them aware of that from the beginning. Because what I found is it's actually pretty demotivating if you've been spending a lot of time learning Spanish and then you go out and you get confused or someone doesn't understand you. Like as a learner, you're going to question your own skills and abilities. You're thinking, oh, man, I don't know what I'm doing. I've been wasting my time. But it's not that. It's just that you didn't know and you haven't been focused. But if you knew that from the beginning, you could be deliberate and go, oh, I'm going to learn Spanish from Colombia. So that's my focus. I'm going to get myself immersed in that culture. I'll learn the way that they learn. And then you'll know better. So that way, if you talk to someone from Mexico and you don't understand them, you'll go, oh, they have a Mexican accent. That might be why my ear is not trained yet. And you won't question your own mm-hmm. ability. Yeah, definitely. I think that's that's a, something that's a really big deal to, to pay attention to. And it is going to be really useful for any Spanish learners who are either starting out or maybe if they've already started. You know, it's it can always be a good thing, even if you've already started to reconsider and and see if you want to focus on a particular dialect. Maybe once you've figured out what culture really gets you gets you passionate. Right, exactly. You know, like I said, I know with me, um, it just because salsa music just uh, tends to come from more a Caribbean area. It just kind of naturally what I what I fell into, and then um, just the friends I've made have been mo- mo- mainly from um, the Caribbean as well. So. Um, it just kind of naturally happened for me as I progressed. But I think if I would have started there, I would have had a much better appreciation for um, those kind of differences and nuances to the the different dialects and ways of speaking. Yeah, well, I, I love what you said there again, too, about, you know, connecting with people. And I think, you know, to some degree, that's that's what it's all about, too. It's all about communication. And, you know, you can make so many great friends and meet so many wonderful people out of speaking Spanish or any other language. So, um, you know, I think that's a really, a really great note to, to end on there. And uh, I just want to thank you again, Tamara, for your time today. It's been so great uh, to speak with you. Such a fascinating discussion. Before we finish up, why don't you let people know where they can find you online and check out your work? Sure. So my blog is Negringa. Uh, dot com and people always ask me about that it's kind of like a play on words um it's like negra and gringa so um but negringa.com is my is my blog so i have a lot of information there about cultural immersion learning spanish um and also um if you're interested in learning spanish with music Mm -hmm. i have a site i started a few months ago called spanish con salsa um, and that just takes different um different songs salsa and a few other genres but it really just breaks down each song so that you can learn it section by section. Um, sort of how I discussed earlier the method that I developed as I was learning Spanish, um, as well as what I've done is extract some of the phrases that you can actually use in day-to-day conversation. Um, one of the biggest challenges not only with music is that it's sort of poetic sometimes. There's not really you know, a whole lot that you would kind of say to someone in a day-to-day conversation. Uh Um, So I've kind of extracted those phrases out um, and and even specific grammar points that um, are highlighted in the song. 
and and I break down that in different lessons for each song. So um, there's a free course on there to start. Um, so if anyone's interested, you can just check out SpanishConSalsa.com and you can sign up for a free course. Well, that, that's great. We'll be sure to include all of those links in the show notes too for this episode so people know exactly where to go. And uh, yeah, I just want to say thanks again. It's been so great speaking to you and uh, best of luck with your Portuguese. Thank you so much, James. It's been great talking to you. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of the Lingua Materna podcast. Just a reminder that you can find out more information about all of the tools, resources, and websites we've discussed in this episode by visiting the show notes page at linguamaterna.com forward slash podcast. Happy language learning.